You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to 3AM. 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 Where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. DJ was just saying when he does laundry, his hair is all long. <laughs> Bro, does that happen with your wife? Your wife? Hell yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay. so when you have long hair, you do laundry, and all of a sudden you be pulling out long ass hairs, like out of your underwear, yeah. flossing your cheeks, almost cutting off your shaft, which is what happened to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's also been a thing. Oh. It's there, happened to you There too? was like three days in a row last week where I woke up and I was like, why does my penis feel tight? <laughs> why does it feel like somebody's doing like a chokehold on my penis? John, yeah, John Cena or RKO. Yeah. And I reached down and I, <laughs> I pulled this long hair and like slowly it was like, Oh. Unfurling off of my penis, dude. It's a real thing. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm like, do you remember my story? If you're if you haven't heard it, you're gonna have to go back and because I'm not telling the whole thing. I legitimately think I almost lost a chunk of my dick, and it was because I had to work an entire shift. I had the worst pain. I was like, is this an STD? Is it? You know what I mean? He's like, like, where did I get an STD? Yeah. <laughs> My wiener hurt so bad, and I finally, after like five-hour shift, get to run into the bathroom and look at it, and a chunk of my shaft skin is like this, and there is a long hair that's wrapped 30 times around it like a noose, like it committed a crime, and uh, I was- It looks like a skin tag. Dude. dude, It was like a full other shaft coming off, it looked like. Oh, shit. Uh, and so I was like freaked out because I, I, I didn't really understand that what was going on. So I reached down, grab one piece of the hair and I pull and it just cinches it like 20 <laughs> times tighter. And I ended up like carefully, I was like going like this, carefully pressing down on the skin to get up. Finally, it releases all at once. 
and like the blood comes back into me and I almost passed out. Oh my God. <laughs> and then I just went back to work and I look around and I was like the one of the most like disturbing things in the world happened to me and I can't tell anyone. And nobody I'm just knows. alone. <laughs> I, I'm just like PTSD'd and I can't tell anyone. <laughs> so anyway. Welcome to the 3AM Podcast. My name is DJ. My name is Charlie. My name is Sean. And we have an old friend of mine, one of my best friends. A new friend of yours. Uh, who is joining in on the 3 a.m. crew for the time being. Kalima Watson, everyone. Hey. You couldn't pay me enough. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, not a joke. Huh? <laughs> awesome. Welcome, my dude. He's thank helping you, us run the show. He's, ba- he's our Jamie. Dude, young Jamie in oh. the house, bro. Our brown Jamie. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, 3M podcast. We tell scary stories, hang out with friends, tell some jokes. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. Uh, how's everyone's week? Any updates? Bro, we haven't seen each other for 10 days. So I feel like a lot has happened. A lot has happened. So tell us about it. <laughs> These days, so much of my time is very I'm very calculated with how I spend my time and just making sure that whatever I devote my attention to I want it to be like quality even if it's something whether it's work or leisure like I want it to be worthwhile because I don't have a lot of time for it so when I've been watching whether TV shows or movies I've been p- pretty particular with what I want to watch which is crazy because we watched the whole season of Love, Death, and Robots the other day. <laughs> it was good. Worth it. Yeah. Definitely a good watch. That was one. That was a fun one. If you haven't seen Love, Death, and Robots, we've talked about it before. But it's almost like an animated Black Mirror. The episodes are non-sequential. So you could start anywhere in the season. And they're short. Easily digestible. Yeah, like seven minutes to the longest one was 18 minutes. Yeah. Another show that I've been watching is Love Island. Hey, <laughs> quality TV. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, me and my girlfriend decided... Wait, is that the show you were roasting Sean about for watching? I think is so. Is that the one you gave Maybe. him a super hard time for? Did I? <laughs> I? I told you guys on this podcast, and I feel like I just was, you know, treated horribly. Pearls before <laughs> swine? Yeah. Well, I've unswined my ways um, by conforming to trash reality TV shows. But it's so bad that it's good. Yeah. But the thing is, I haven't truly been watching it because my girlfriend and I decided to watch the first episode of every season just to rate the contestants, how hot, how ugly everyone was. <laughs> Super healthy <Yeah>. activities. <laughs> look, at this, look at this cow right here. Proper cow. That was yeah, a UK yeah, version. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> In it. Yeah, that's been fun. That's hilarious. Dude, it's always good to just like watch something and, and bag on it sometimes. Yeah. That's one of my favorite pastimes. Yeah. Bro, I was mad salty. We're setting up for the podcast and I have a reputation of apologizing a lot. Okay. Mm. And DJ calls me John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> and bro, I was boiled. <laughs> uh, what's going on with John Cena? Taiwan's its own country. <laughs> I'm going to say it. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care that you hurt your elbow. And Taiwan's its own country. Um, what was it for? Promo for a movie? Is uh, it Fast and Furious? Promo for the new Fast and Furious. He said comments alluding that Taiwan's its own country. 
And instantly they were like, you f- up. Why? Because it's like 70% of his demographic is China because China is a huge market for movies. And they were like, you're going to lose millions and millions and millions of dollars. You have to apologize. The reason he has to apologize is because China does not recognize Taiwan as its own country. Taiwan is like, bro, we out here. We're here. <laughs> we're, we're our own country. With our own economy and own officials. And yeah. Yeah. So a uh, country. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it sounds like. But dude. they made China mad. So he had to go on. And in like perfect Cantonese, bro, he apologized. I just learned recently that he, like in the early 2010s, he committed himself to learning Chinese fluently. I don't know if it's Cantonese or Mandarin. It might be. I don't know. I just... Um, it's all the same, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in perfect Chinese, he, well, she, he, made, she, his, he made his apology. Like. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He was, like, he was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, if he did his move, do you think they should would have just like yeah. not like forgotten about I it? I see you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he had to do. I was going to make. I hate you. <laughs> Stole my thunder. I know see no. you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's so funny. Missed up, bro. Yeah, but you called me John Cena. I was heated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What a puto. Don't, don't apologize. (laughs) Wild. Uh, Fast and Furious though. What number Fast and Furious is? This is number nine. But if you include Hobbs and Shaw, it's 10. Dude. I don't include any of them. So. (laughs) Dude, if you include any of them past number one, it's 10. (laughs) I don't think Hobbs and Shaw is like true canon. Bro, that, that was on in the gym when I was running and I was like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Like all the Samoans, like doing the doing the, the Samoan haka, haka. Yeah. and then like holding onto a helicopter as it flies away. I was yeah. like, that was that's attached bullshit, to like bro. four cars too. It was like written by a Samoan. Wow, <laughs> a twenty-year-long tw- <laughs> saga and franchise because it came out in like the early two thousands. I remember when Fast and Furious came out. Hell yeah! yeah. It's when I when I was when I first felt the passion for wanting to learn how to crip walk. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, crip walking was a huge, like an, a weirdly large part of my high school. Like so many kids were into it. We had one kid. His name was V Sin. That's his YouTube. Go look him up. Shout him out. I think he's still walking, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but he he was this nerdy Asian kid, and he was like, as we, they all were, <laughs> dude. He was really good at math. I'm not even just saying that as a joke. He like legit was really good at math. Yeah. He's and like doing <laughs> equations in the ground. <laughs> Like Four plus eight. <laughs> Dude, yeah, he's just doing long division with his feet. Uh, no, he he was like so nerdy, so quiet, so unassuming. And then you like looked up his videos, and he's killing it. He was like the best sea walker, like in the valley, bro. He like traveled to battle people. I'm like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> but yeah, you know, I tried. Who knows? Yeah. I, I might have been kind of nice with it. I don't know. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, Fast and Furious. Vin Diesel. I was recently watching. My brother had a... I came home. My brother was watching Saving Private Ryan. Vin Diesel's in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, what? Yeah. As like a younger... No, he's not quite a kid, but he's like a young adult. And I, I don't think I've seen Vin Diesel in anything else besides like Chronicles of Riddick, <laughs> yeah. which was still like... Or Triple X. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, mid-2000s. Yeah. Yeah. But Saving Private Ryan was early mid 90s bro i had no idea when that came out and he's like one of like the side cadets bro you (laughs) go back to like boiler room and he has hair too really yeah it's weird well it's funny because now he plays the same role in every movie 
It's yeah. just Vin Diesel. It's the same thing. But back then, it, it was different. Like, <laughs> his, his personality. Yeah. It's now like, it's you know those actors or actresses that just play themselves yeah. in movies now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 100%. That's Vin Diesel. Yeah. Yeah. He's it's like, like The Rock. Um, he's like, I don't have a unit. I have family. Little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dominic Toretto. Um <laughs> Did you know he came out with his own uh, oh. his his own music? Yeah, dude, it was actually low key fire, bro. <laughs> no, it, it was not. Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, it was not. The craziest thing is is produced by Kaigo, who's an A list artist. EDM electronic music, top in the world, and makes this track with Working, Vin Diesel. Yeah, previously <laughs> worked with uh, like Selena Gomez. Obviously, he had that uh, Fast and Furious money to uh, spend yeah. on a producer. <laughs> it's always interesting and funny to watch like. Uh, celebrities switch lanes and it's not the first time it's happened. Like uh, I think of a, uh, somebody who did it successfully. It was Donald Glover. Oh yeah. Like childish Gambino. He's played so many different, he's worn so many different hats. Dude, a modern like, day Renaissance man. Yeah. He, uh, his music, incredible. His comedy, his comedy. Yeah. Commun- the, uh, the TV show community. And then uh, writing and directing his own TV show, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's crazy. He's like a, Jack of all trades, master of all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? um, Michael Jordan. Was, uh, he When he went to uh, MLB, who did he play for? The White Sox? No. Well, like he was Wizards technically the Barons, which were the uh, team below the White Sox uh, that they pull uh, from players. Was he good or was he just like famous so and like the best basketball player? And they're like, yeah, you can play. He, he was like decent. Like he bat over 200. Which is like for every ten pitches he hits twice. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) he like he was decent and that was on a like a minor league team. And like experts were saying if he had taken more time, because he only was off of basketball for like eighteen months. Mm -hmm. If he had taken more time, he would have made it to the majors. But like he's decent for a minor league team. Yeah. Just had a hell of people come and watch him for (laughs) really uh just because it was Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Some people are good at, you know, switching lanes like that. Ah, I feel. Some people are not. Like Vin Diesel. Yeah. Dude. He premiered that song on the, the Dude, one with Drew Barrymore. Dude, he premiered Drew that Barrymore. on the Drew Barrymore talk show. <laughs> Drew it, Barrymore has a talk show? Exactly, bro. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. And it was like mid-COVID, so the audience was just all TV screens of people like... <laughs> <laughs> It was so awkward, bro. And he's like, I'm proud to debut this. And I was like, well, nah, the track, a mess. The truck is fire, dude. There, well, but the real question is, he de- did he debut it wearing his typical white tank with I'm his sure. chain and everything? Yeah. I'm sure he did. That was a fire track. He can, he can, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> oh. Another uh, transition uh, within celebrities is uh, Bruce Jenner. Running, <laughs> running. <laughs> I get it. It took me a minute. <laughs> oh, bro. Did y'all hear about Jeffrey Epstein's guards? Oh, yes. We all knew about this. I was going to say, is this the <laughs> yeah. one we heard about, like, when it first happened? Bro, I'm so annoyed with, like, the media breaking news, and it's, everyone's like, yeah, we knew. We, we've like been new. UFOs, yeah. Jeffrey Epstein, bro. I know, all the UFO shit. I was like, yeah, I saw Rogan talk about this, like, a year and a half ago. Thank you very much. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. And they're like, oh, my gosh, it's breaking news. The, yeah, the, the latest breaking news with the Jeffrey Epstein case is like, <gasps> the two guards admit that there was funny business. <laughs> surrounding the death of a Jeffrey Epstein. And it's like, oh, really? Or like at least they're reporting news. It's just a a year and a half late. Yeah. Like 
irrelevant at this point. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. I'm already on to aliens, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm, We're I'm already like, not on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're so 2000 and late. Uh. Uh, wait, real quick. A couple other shows and movies. <laughs> um, they just dropped the trailer for something I've been really excited about. Uh, Last Night in Soho. I haven't watched the trailer yet. Oh, that's the movie title? That's the movie title. Last Night uh, in Soho. It's from uh, Edgar Wright. So if you like your Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Baby Driver. Oh, shit. um, Scott Pilgrim. That's his next movie. What and kind it, of movie is it? Like I'm not sure. Genre? I don't watch the trailer. But Dude, let's I think, not watch. Let's I think just it's go starring. Dry. Uh, let's just go and dry. Yeah. <laughs> it's starring uh, Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, okay. Queen's Gambit. Ah. Have you heard of a. Uh, shorty. <laughs> my she's shorty. Fine, bro. She is fine. Uh, have you heard of My Octopus Teacher? Yes. What? Bro, I went home for like Christmas and we're hanging out with the in laws. I don't know. Like, what should we watch? Bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I've seen it. <laughs> I'm all, oh, what, tentacles? Uh, <laughs> suction cups? Uh, and my mother-in-law's like, do you guys want to watch my teacher octopus or some shit? And I was like, dude, I thought she was straight up trolling me. I thought it was dumb too. <laughs> dude, it's good. I didn't watch it. It's incredible. It's, it got, at the Oscars, it got the best documentary of 2020. So it's a documentary on Netflix you can watch called My Octopus Teacher. And it sounds ridiculous and I turned it off. But yeah. DJ watched it. Dude, it's so crazy. <laughs> this uh, This dude... Moves to Southern Africa and just starts diving, exploring reefs, exploring the ocean. And he finds this octopus in the same spot every day. So he just watches it, watches its behavior, like does all this crazy stuff, like grab shells and make like a shield all around its body. He watches it hunt. He he watches it like transform and camouflage itself, finds it fascinating. And over time, the octopus notices him. Like returning. Returning every day and slowly... It starts developing like a relationship where he trusts him. Like he, that, the one of the biggest parts is like he reaches out. Bro, are you spoiling like, right now? Yeah, I'm spoiling. Because <laughs> apparently none of you will watch it. Uh, they just develop this relationship, and it teaches him like so many things about the ocean. Shows him all these different secret spots, uh, and he learns. What he if the octopus was trolling him? Dude? Okay, I this kind of sounds dope now. It is super dope, dude. If you are a fan of regular discovery travel channel planet, planet earth, earth kind of type documentaries uh you would enjoy my octopus teacher once again i've been knowing that octopus were hella smart because of joe rogan he broke that like five years ago <laughs> that dude was obsessed with cuttlefish and, and octopus he once told me that or <laughs> personally he told me <laughs> why did i word it like shut that? you a text yeah he once uh, had an intimate conversation with me um they had like footage at an aquarium of an octopus. There was an octopus or a cuttlefish in one tank. And then across like the walkway where the people could walk, there was another tank full of like succulents and all these other like marine life. Right. And they would come in and all the things were gone. I'm like, what the hell? And so they like set up a camera, watched it. And the octopus or cuttlefish came out of like squeezed out of a tiny crack, went across, went up in and then came back into its own, like, aquarium thing. Bro, we talked about this on an episode before. Like, cuttlefish are smart as, like, a (laughs) four-year-old. You know how smart four-year-olds are? Stupid, bro. (laughs) (laughs) That was hilarious. True. Um, Another movie I watched (laughs) that I need to plug. I just need to plug all these movies because they're worth watching, I think. All right, so. Climax. What? (laughs) Continue on the hentai train now. Um, (laughs) 
It's done by A24. It came out like in 2017. Ooh. Uh, I never heard of it. It's a French movie. So the whole thing's in French. And the director me with is... that, bro. Is, uh, <laughs> How do you say no in French? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, keep going. No, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> it's the most disturbing movie I've ever seen. The most disturbing movie you've probably, ever seen? Probably oh. the most disturbing movie I've ever seen. How so? It is supremely disorienting. Ooh. The premise of it, and I won't give spoilers on this one. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's a dance crew, and there's about 20 of them. Like what kind of dance? Lots of different. Because uh, this matters. Uh, there's like part like, part, like, it's like popping, locking. Uh, some type of hip, some kind of hip hop dancing, uh, like bone breaking, hmm. oh. and then there's also uh, a lot of um, what is it? Voguing, yeah. So the whole movie, they're playing like super crazy, like thumping, four on the floor, house, like techno beats, because they're in Europe, and uh, they're rehearsing for this big show. And then at the end of their rehearsal, like the first half an hour is just them dancing. And it's like one shot and it's moving from dancer to dancer. It's really cool to watch. Super beautiful. And then they have like this little party afterwards to celebrate, you know, their last rehearsal before the big performance. And somebody spikes the drink with LSD. Oh. Oh. And the rest (laughs) of the movie is them slowly. They start off tweaking and then they start off like, and and then they end up the craziest. (laughs) Dude, it's so disturbing, but it's so good. I never felt. I don't think I, I felt. I feel that, anxious right now. I I don't think I felt that uncomfortable watching a movie, and they did a good job at like executing that. Dude, I love when they can accurately portray something that is like super hard to describe. Like, uh, there's some movies that like try and portray like closing your eyes, and like some movies do it so well. One of the movies that comes to mind is like Midsummer, and people have said that's like the most accurate portrayal of like taking shrooms they've ever seen. Mm. But I love that. I appreciate when they can do that. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of uh, scared to watch. It is, dude. Uh, it's a thriller. At some parts, it's almost a horror. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. If you want to watch it, you can watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, nice climax. But, Careful yeah. what you type. <laughs> yeah, you might yeah. still get that hentai. Yeah, it's really uh, the sequencing is so strange. They have like three credit sequences throughout the movie. And you're just like, huh? like halfway through the movie. For like a minute straight, they like blare all the logos of all the artists that they play in the soundtrack. Daft Punk, Boys Noise, all these like crazy different house artists and producers. And it's really weird, but it's like, it's really cool to me. (laughs) That Um, is weird, bro. But Climax, check that out. That's Uh, my uh, recent media discoveries. Thank you, DJ. Media discoveries. Bro, I had people, mad people were... Affected, I think, by my spicy take from <laughs> two episodes ago. We had a lot of comments. I had a lot of people reaching out saying things, bro, and they were affected. And you know what? I'm doubling down. <laughs> I so think it's more out, true now. If you missed out, Charles explained from, I think it stemmed from recent experiences. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> that uh, when you eat spicy food and it exits your body, it's... Satan barebacking you? Was that your were, were those your words? Those were my yeah, exact words. Yeah, it's a straight he, up quote. Here's the thing: it's not just me. 
religions and cultures from around the world have all <laughs> religions believed. There's a whole cultures. one yes. other person I know that doesn't believe in it. No, the belief is out there that like you like uh, sins are physically manifested through like illness and ailments, bro. So it's not just me. Like a lot of people think that, you know, like if you had like a crippled baby, they were like, bro, you were a bad person. Okay, like, you know what is I'm saying? Like current yeah, that's day called the like Old Testament, bro. bro. I'm taking it back. I'm classic. Jesus what came and changed all I'm that. a traditional person, I guess. <laughs> but it made me think. I have another theory about sore throats. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Bro, but I it's so weird because I had just this innocuous thought and the, like mad people reaching out to me and being like, I was deeply affected by like <laughs> your thoughts on spicy ass. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> well, that's all I got with that. Oh. <laughs> wow. Anything else? Boys, I was down in Florida last week. Fort Lauderdale. Uh, when I go places... A tradition I like to do is I like to play a rap artist from that area. So anytime I go to Fresno, I play Fashan. Anytime I go to the Bay, it's E40. Stuff like that, right? Anytime he comes to Utah, he plays... Uh... No one. <laughs> Mormon Tabernacle. <Hawaii>. Yeah, <laughs> Motab, baby. Hawaii, it's just uh, somewhere over the rainbow, 80 times yeah. looped. <laughs> yeah, is whatever his last name is. Anyway. Uh, no disrespect. Um, so while I was in Florida... I'm in the Fort Lauderdale airport, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going through customs or I'm going through the security and I see a famous rapper. I know it's a famous rapper because I had just that morning been watching a two-hour documentary on the intricate going-ons of Jacksonville's rap and gang violence where it broke down everything. Florida's hip-hop scene has been growing. Bro. In the last five years, so many people coming out of Mr. Florida. Worldwide. <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. Mr. <laughs> Worldwide. He, he sent the, he set the trend. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But from him, we've gotten like Tentacion, R.I.P., uh, Denzel Curry. Lil Pump, Smoke Perp. Ski Master Slump God. Ghost Mane. Ghost Mane's from Florida, uh -huh. too? See? Denzel. Uh, Do you already say Denzel? Yeah, yeah, Kodak Black. Kodak, huge. And a million other people. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Literally, I think everyone there raps. I think they carried, like, the SoundCloud scene, too. Uh-huh. There is definitely a sound, a specific sound that comes from there. I'm in the airport. I see this dude. I instantly recognize his dreads. And I'm looking at him, and he's wearing easily $30,000 of chains on. And I'm walking... I'm trying to, dude. I'm walking up, and a girl runs up and is like, oh, my gosh, can I take your photo? And I'm like, I pull Reed aside, and I'm like, bro, because I'm with my friend Reed. I'm like, bro, you know how I was watching that long documentary about like Florida gangs and rappers? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's one of them. And he's like, who is it? And I was like, I can't remember. <laughs> I could not remember. So we go up, we pass him. I look at him, I see his face. And I'm like, yeah, that's him. He's with his whole crew. They're all wearing chains on chains on chains, right? We go and we sit down like at the terminal or at the gate. And he is literally 20 feet away from me chilling. And I am more furiously than I've ever been in my life, studying, diving, deep, <laughs> trying to figure out who this kid is. I forgot his name. So I'm scrubbing through this documentary. I'm looking up like articles. I'm reading. I'm clicking on all these things. I finally find him. And his name is Spottom Gottem. So Bottom Gottem. Kalima, could you click on? We'll just watch a tiny bit of his music video. I want you guys to see who I saw. 
Also, I'm going to need you to crop this because all of our <laughs> penises, <laughs> but dussies are, yeah. are showing wide open. Can you turn? So that's who I saw. Yeah, you can definitely like the dreads stand out. Yeah, bro. Do 50 million views on this. First of all, this uh, spot him, got him. Do Push Icy's been popping off. He's featuring on every rapper's music. Bruh. Which is hilarious, <laughs> considering all things considered. He looks like Cynthia. <laughs> Bro, first of all, okay. <laughs> Cynthia doll, what? Is that Rugrats? Yeah. Be- wait, wait, wait. Before we continue, no disrespect on anyone that we're about to talk about. I just want to say that. I, mean, I, I know that. I'll I literally just life. said that I'm trying to. <laughs> Okay, but uh, yeah, just moving forward. He definitely like his hair. His hair is super recognizable. So instantly, I saw him and I was like, "Bro, I recognize that fool." This sent me down a rabbit hole that I was on for like four days straight, where I was consuming everything I could find about the Florida rap scene. So I'm going to dive into it a little bit and just give you guys a rundown. And then, like I said before, we go into this. No disrespect on anyone. I'm not supporting anyone. I'm not supporting any sides. Because going into this, the Florida rap scene right now is like the deadliest, craziest thing that's happening in hip hop ever. Like more bodies are getting caught than like all of Chicago. It's crazy. So it all kicks off, bro, with this video called Who I Smoke. That's surprising because the first thing I thought was like, oh, it can't be worse than Chicago. Dude, it's wild. It's literally like people are saying... Like, the levels of evil they're going is, like, unheard of. No one's safe. Two-year-old kids are getting shot. Like, people, like, the craziest one, I'll just say, it, like, this kid wanted to get back at the other crew, goes to the house, breaks their backs, backs breaks, like, the back um, sliding window with a brick, goes in and shoots the family, including, like, two-year-old kid. No one is safe. It's all kids. They're all, like, under 20, and they're, like, straight catching bodies on each side. Damn. So, in Jacksonville, the rap scene is huge. Um, and it's super like bubbling. It's super active. At one point, there's three main crews and they were all pretty chill. The main guys who run each side would like be in each other's music videos. They'd converse and they would like work together occasionally on supposedly nefarious, uh, activities. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Kodak Black comes through Jacksonville, has a show. And this is how this whole beef kind of started. And if I get anything wrong, my bad, I'm just doing it all from memory. Kodak Black has a concert in Jacksonville. All three crews are there. They see each other. You know, I'm sure there was a lot of like sizing up, but they come together and one of them like extends a handshake and one of the other dudes like snuffs them, doesn't accept it. Goes, escalates to fist fight, escalates to shooting and killing. That's where this whole war started. Legit, this side and this side, several of them are blood cousins. And they are still, like, out to kill each other. Mm. Killings on each side, it escalates. And the level of disrespect and what we call self-snitching, which is basically, like, you in rap songs saying the crimes you committed, go to whole new levels to the point where people from one side are shooting and killing them, instantly going on Instagram Live and saying, like, ha, ha, you got caught, you got caught slipping, you dead, you dead, you ain't coming back on live. 
And it's crazy. One dude killed his own cousin. And before he hits his cousin on Instagram live, they're both talking to each other and they're both being like, nah, you ain't real. You ain't real one. And he's like, bro, let's have a death match right now. Like meet me in the park. Let's have a death match. Ends up. He goes and finds him like camps out, watches him all night, runs up to him, shoots him like point blank. And then goes on Instagram live and is like, ha ha. He lost a Fortnite match. Like his own cousin. And then they make music videos and they add all these tiny little like clues and stuff to like show you which crimes they committed. Wow. So this is all going on. It is no joke. It's so real. And one of the crews comes out with a song called Who I Smoke. And the song is a remix of Vanessa Carlton's Thousand Miles. And it's so catchy. It's so uplifting. They're dancing. It's so happy. This song goes viral. So mad like kids on TikTok are singing it. People are singing it and they have no idea. In the song though, they're listing everyone they killed and how they did it. So if you could click on who I smoke and switch scenes. <laughs> All right. So if you watch, this is one of the crews, ATK. That right there is young Ian Ace. He's like the leader of one side. And right there, boom, you see the bullet shell drop. That's just a tiny little thing. So it's super happy. It's like, and dude, this has views. Like everyone knows about this song. All right. Can you press pause real quick? See you. Okay. So young Ian Ace, the kid in green, he went out for his brother's like 23rd birthday. And I'm getting, I might be getting some facts wrong, but he went out for either his brother or his best friend's like birthday, right? They went to a teriyaki spot and they were taking photos. They were like having a good time. They, they had been working so hard. So it was like they were relaxing, right? They took a photo outside this restaurant. And in the background, you can see the shutters of the restaurant. And from that, his ops saw that and they were like, we know where he's at. So him, his blood brother and his two best friends are eating. Opposition comes and they, they stake out in the parking lot and they wait there. They watch them eat the whole time. They have a great time. They eat. They jump in their car and they go and get on the road and they stop at a stoplight. Car pulls up to the side of them and lets off like over 100 shots. Draco AK. He, young Ian Ace, talks about the experience. He's like, it blew up like hell of bullets. Like my friends, my two best friends in the back, just like full of bullets. One hit one of them in the head, like instantly dead. One of them, he's like, open the door, open the door, open the door. He's like, I can't move my body. I can't move my body. And he's like, I grabbed my little bro, tried to shield him. He got hit with eight bullets. All three of his friends and brothers died, and he survived. He still has bullet hole or bullet shells in his butt, like from the shooting. Hmm. So capped his ass for real. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like literally. And so in return, they send someone. So this dude is Young Ace. The other crew, the leader's name is Fulio. Julio Fulio. Fulio had a little brother, 16 years old, named Bibby. Or, yeah. Uh, this dude p- followed him home from school, saw him walking around the, the like apartment park, ran up to him with a Draco. Him and his best friends run away. He runs up. He falls on the ground. Point blank executes him. Instantly goes on Instagram live. Ha ha, caught you slipping. 
and like says his name. You know what I mean? And then the dude who killed him wears a Bibby jersey just to mock the dead. Bro, craziness. Tiki is another one of Fulio's friends they killed and another one. It's so bad. At one point, another like teenager was in line to get hired and uh, they kidnapped him. He was like uh, at a recruiting office. They kidnapped him, killed him. They found him a month later. They just found bones in like the forest. And yeah, it turns out to be him. Hmm. So I played this song for you guys earlier in the living room when we were just like hanging out and you guys were both just like, oh, this is a fun song. And now I'm going to point out like every sketchy thing in here. So if you want to hit play. When I see you, I'm going to push your shit back, boy. Try to get the spin through your set. We don't fight, boy. Twelve paramedics couldn't save your fucking life, boy. Rod K dead and he never coming back, boy. Rod K's dead. He never coming back, boy. They pulled up, shot him. They pulled up and they did like the same thing that happened to Young Ines. They just pulled up on the side, let off 150 rounds. He, the dude got hit, died and drove his car like straight into a rims shop. Then his friend jumped out super disoriented and went on Instagram live, showed his dead friend on the ground and then showed back and he's like, y'all, y'all messed up, y'all messed up. Bro, they went on IG live and mocked him for doing that. Like after they murdered him. Dude, crazy. So he just named something something like that. I don't know. All this is alleged. And here comes the chorus where they're going to name three people. And it's three people who were murdered. Who I smoke. They're literally naming the dudes who they allegedly murdered. So, bro, they go on to name so much more in this song. If you know the story, they just like lay it out. But it is so flagrant and like out in the open about like what's going on. Mm. And so people are like talking. They're like, yo, this this is escalating to a place that's like it will never come back. And people in hip hop, a lot of commentary and uh, like, I don't know, important influential people are talking about this. And like a famous streamer was caught singing that song and uh, he had to apologize because it was like grandizing like the death of these kids. Right. And so Fulio hit him up and was like, yo, that's not chill. And he's like, bro, I'm so sorry. I didn't understand. Anyway, it's just escalating. And it's so crazy that it, that was like last month that that was released. So it's going on like right now. What's the view count on that? 21 million. 21 million. And it's so catchy. Like people are singing it and they don't understand. Yeah. This is uh, not, very surprising to me like if you know any hip-hop since the inception of hip-hop it's it was born out of bro i lived through the east coast west coast thing and gang violence i remember at one point being afraid because i was like so wrapped up in like the biggie Pac thing it was going on when i was like in grade school i was like bro like i'm on the west coast like what if they come here (laughs) and because my dumb mind you know i'm in fourth grade (laughs) But it, this that, is deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, legit. They are saying like this is the most heated, most tension, like unnerving since like the East Coast, West Coast thing where people were like dropping. But I say it's way more crazy. I suggest if you have any interest in like hip hop and beefs, go look into this. It is insane what's going on right now. And I just barely scratched the surface. I don't know if it's way more crazy. <sighs> okay. I think the same things have been committed for a long time. In hip hop, outside of hip hop, 
they're just vocal about it. I guess that's the that's the main difference is like they're like literally broadcasting IG live it. right yes. one day. Yeah, that's what's weird. It's Mark like, somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you look at Wu Tang Clan's history, it was the same thing, dude. Things were people were actually popping off. Huh. I don't really know much about that. That's interesting. I just thought you really like Wu Tang. Yeah, well, obviously, I'm a fake fan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I saw saw spot him, got him, and I was like, "This is interesting." They were going wow. to Atlanta. Lucky he didn't see you. Uh, he didn't spot me. Yeah. <laughs> now he's he, he, he actually he seems to be one of the figures that's like the most removed from all this. I don't know if I'm wrong, but like in watching the video, he kind of seemed like to be the least involved in. Yeah. The, yeah. I hate. I hate when people make the comment. I hate rap. I hate hip hop. All they talk about is, is money and hoes and sex and drugs. And I, I understand the sentiment, but when you are born in this kind of environment and a victim to these kind of events surrounding, you know, people getting shot outside of your home, if you make it to a point where you're making tons of money, Dude, that's that's success, and why not? It rewards like, like all the negative stuff. Exactly. Why not be happy about that? And the, like the way they express it through music, like dude, I'm I'm more happy for them that they don't have to deal with this anymore. Hopefully. Like talking about this, it's it doesn't sound like their their music is uh, like oh we made it out of this. It's like we're in this, and I don't know if they they enjoy it. That's it sounds like, the like they they enjoy it, you know. The killing and stuff is like the content now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it doesn't sound like they're trying to get, escape anything. It, it, like they're just trying to it, uh, spread it. So <laughs> which podcast crew are we going to start beefing with? <laughs> I was thinking about this. Dude, beefs are lucrative. If you can have a good successful beef, it's like the easiest, fastest way to grow. Yeah. Because you get people talking about you. Like Drake did it with like so many different people. Taylor Swift, Kanye. Yeah. It's, it's almost a lot like, of these... Uh, it's common to hear in these realms that these were manufactured. Dude, you know who's just a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> it's just Joe Rogan, bro. <laughs> <laughs> F- that fool, bro. Why he ain't put out every single day, dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Weak, he bro. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> dude, that hurt, that hurt me to say. Dude. I'm sorry, Joe. That's so funny. Anyway, um, uh, thank you for allowing me to go down that rabbit hole. Dude, I've been consumed. Like, if I really wanted to, I could tell you so much. Send that video. I need to watch that. <sighs> um, virality is so interesting. Mm-hmm. I love studying virality. It's it's like a growth on its own. Because honestly, a part of it is like magic, where it's like unpredictable. Do you know what I mean? Like Daniel and the white vans. I don't know why that's the first thing that came to my mind, but mm-hmm. why does everyone know that? Why did that get so big? Mm-hmm. Have you seen, you know what I'm saying though? Yeah. And I think it's interesting when corporations try to capture that. <laughs> so you see things. And it's, it's so, like, it's so contrived when I see like ads, commercials trying to like replicate memes. It seems so forced. And it's like, that's not how vi- virality works. Virality works because millions of people deemed it funny. Not like the one man with money writing it into the script of a commercial, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of viral videos, Charlie bit my finger. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Do I remember that? Was just Do you think sold, I've ever heard about that in my life? <laughs> was just sold as an NFT. Dang, that's crazy. How much? $760,000. That's a dumb way to spend your money. 
Bro, I am all about spending your money however you want <laughs> if it makes you happy. Bro, Even if, if I don't had make you happy, bro, it's your money. I wouldn't buy that. But if I had a shit ton more, then I would spend seven hundred sixty thousand dollars on it. It's I'm just my my poor ass is so salty, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I literally have to skip eating like eating out sometimes just because I'm like sometimes I gotta have that wallet. glass of water for dinner, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just bought some bullshit like a uh, digital document. So. <laughs> my broke ass is so salty. <laughs> It's like I don't get fries sometimes because <laughs> I can't. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Just get the animal style fries. Yeah, it's just regular just style, regular, bro. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's yeah. sad, bro. I mean, it really is. Uh, I'm glad to be back. This is fun. Yeah. Oh, dude, we upgraded. Did we do? Slowly upgrading until, like we've mentioned before, episode 100 is coming soon. Super soon. And uh, when it does, we're excited. It's uh, yeah. I, I think people are going to be happy with some of the some of the changes. Shout out our patrons, though, for real. Yeah, patrons are making this possible. Um, oh yeah, non patrons are helping to make this possible. Also true. Spreading 100%, the word. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. Everybody. Uh, my broke ass couldn't buy anything. So because <laughs> of our patrons, we've been able to. Uh, Get camera, new new equipment. New camera, new equipment, yeah, new yeah. mic stands. Yeah, dude, when it was things. just us without patrons, we were buying energy drinks for the podcast, and that was about it. Sean $2 was $2 on <laughs> Yeah. Now Sean. we, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we understand if you can't become a patron, no worries. I know what that's like, wanting to support someone and monetarily can't. As always, you can buy downloading, sharing with a friend, sending a story. Those are just as valuable, if not more. 100%. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, everyone out there. We love y'all. With that, let's roll. Hell yeah. All right, now we roll our 20-sided die to determine in what order we tell our stories. Highest number goes first. We all roll. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. <sighs> I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet, uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 3am. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And the numbers are... DJ with 18, Charles with 10, me with 6. So the order is DJ, Charles, Sean. 
Uh, Kalima was just saying how much better he is than Jamie, too. So yeah. <laughs> that's wild. He said he'll fight you in a parking lot <laughs> in flip flops. Uh, <laughs> let us catch you slipping, bro. Yeah. In my slippers. Catch <laughs> <laughs> you sleeping. Okay. Um, I had some. I had my cousin, her husband, their newborn, over for dinner the other night. Hadn't seen them for a couple years, so it was good to catch up. And. My cousin's husband is from New Mexico, born and raised. Tiny town. Sucks. Uh, <laughs> a tiny town of 400 people. I think I've shared uh, his story of how they played a prank on the high school. His dad's the principal, and they painted the numbers one, two, and four on sheep. Three different oh, sheep. Oh, yeah. Ingenious, yeah. bro. Yeah. <laughs> Sent them into the school, and the principal's like over the loudspeaker. We're missing sheep number three. We got to find them. So, bro, that is amazing. Same kid. Good, good kid. Good people. But we were talking about the podcast. He's like, I'm trying to think if I have any stories. He didn't. <laughs> but it led me down this hole. He talked about how in New Mexico, there's this festival called Shalako. Have you heard of it? Shalako, S-H-A-L-A-K-O. But it's a, it's a festival of the Zuni Indians uh, or Native Shala. Americans. And... All the white people in the town. <laughs> and they celebrate... So Thanksgiving. Fertility. <laughs> they celebrate fertility and it seemed kind of pagan as well. Uh, it sounded so strange because it was part Native American, part white. I don't un- understand the entire scope of what goes down in Shalco. He did say that everybody just has like these weird rituals and dances and has sex and parties and like. I, I was gonna say yeah, I have an idea part of, what, of this, bro. What celebrating fertility means? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, he talked a lot about like non-sexual rituals and like dances that they would do during the festival. But then um, they also boning. Yeah, they're also schmoning. Whoa, nice. Uh. He did say that at night... I just zoonied. Where? <laughs> I just zoonied everywhere. He said at night when everyone's wiling out, you can't be alone. Because during Shalako, when people are most vulnerable... To the other realm? Or like to physical harm from other humans? What do you mean? Like vulnerable to what? Oh, vulnerable because... Their senses are numb from being drunk or being high. People wander outside of the town or in the streets by themselves and get snatched up by skinwalkers. Oh, shit, dude. So Shalico is like like hunting season for skinwalkers. That's what he told me. When is it? I mean, that's kind of perfect timing, though. Like everyone's getting high and drunk. And exactly. You just exactly. snag a couple. Yeah. So that led me down this... Uh, this rabbit hole, and I searched uh, Zuni Native American, Shalako, like all the different related searches, and I found this indie author and uh, producer who's done a, a few films and written a book. Steven Spielberg. <laughs> J.R.R. Tolkien. Yeah. You may have heard of him. <laughs> yeah. C.S. Lewis. Um, this man's name is Chris O'Brien, and he's actually from South Central Colorado. Which borders New Mexico. Four Corners, bro. It's supposed to yep. be a super haunted place. Exactly. And he has a book called Stalking the Tricksters. Ooh. And the intro of his book talks about, you know, he grew up in this area with a lot of Native Americans. 
So he knew a lot of the folklore, but he wanted to dig down, find the source or just understand, you know, the culture more. And he started this in 1993 in a place called San Luis Valley in South Central Colorado. He started hearing unexplained reports of paranormal events, and he wanted to research uh, cultural beliefs. Uh, that was the purpose of his book. The main sources he went to were four different Native American tribes, the Utes, Tewa, Pueblo, and Diwe. Diwe, I think that, or Dine. Dine, uh, I think is how you pronounce but those are the Navajo and uh, Apache Native Americans. Mm -hmm. He had three questions. They were, are there traditional interpretations help explain the region's UFO type activity, provide insight to the occult, or explain the strange mysteries of unusual cattle deaths? Hmm. Valid questions. So you said that there's a lot of weird happenings in the Four Corners yeah, there's even Devil's Road down there where what is apparently that? a bunch of stuff like happens. It's like a lonely road that goes down to Four Corners. It's like south southeast Utah, I think, where creepy stuff happens from like seeing spirits and lights in the sky to hitchhikers that'll show up and then be two, 10 miles down past there, stuff like that. So these things that he listed is within that lane as within well. Within that vein, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. So... He was really curious about these things, started learning from these four tribes. And I'm going to start with Pueblo. This one was difficult for him. He heard of a book that would answer a lot of his questions. The Bible. The Bible. <laughs> uh, in the 90s, it was tough to find. Internet wasn't really a thing. Wasn't Be Bezos hadn't made Amazon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somehow he got a copy of it. And the name of the book... Okay, before, before I even this, uh, give you the title, the book is a collection of academic papers published in the 1800s by a Zuni elder, oh. a prominent Zuni elder. Hmm. The name of the book is called Witchcraft and Sorcery of the American Native Peoples. The Lost Harry Potter book? <laughs> Dude, the Lost Manuscripts. <laughs> Imagine finding this book in the 90s and it's like... Uh, gold mine, yeah. at least for us. Yeah, three. I mean, he finally gets a copy of this, and he's reading so many things that he's never heard of for the first time. And I'm gonna list a few of them. So, in the book, he doesn't really go into detail. He just like paraphrases. Talks about some of the powers of skinwalkers. Oh shit! That's like Yanagushni. Yeah, uh, it's so crazy because apparently. Skinwalkers from different uh, tribes, like, do different things, have different powers. So, for the Pueblo skinwalkers... The water nation. They were, exactly, yeah. They were known to start windstorms through specific dances. The like a rain dance. nation, actually. Yeah. <laughs> they also destroyed crops through plagues that they would call down, usually through in insects. Uh, witchcraft was obviously looked down upon by all Native American tribes, but in the uh, for the Pueblo Native Americans, you could get the death penalty. And one, you could receive that through cowardice and battle, and two, witchcraft. Ooh. So it was like greatly, greatly feared. Cowards and witch witches, bro. Everyone, yeah. Um, apparently in the 90s when he was learning about this, he 
got in contact with some of the Zuni natives and they were talking about a secret trial that was going on with somebody that they caught known to be performing witchcraft. And this, this is like Walker. in the 80s? Yeah, this, uh, this was in the 90s. So he said this book written about skinwalkers was in uh, the 1800s, hundreds of years, and it's still a thing, you know. They're in, still having In trials. the modern age, yeah. It's wild. Um, more on their powers. Yes, the typical shape-shifting. I've been watching this anime called My Hero Academia. <laughs> and shout out my weebs. And shout out my weebs. And there's this dude whose power is... He becomes what he eats, kind of. So he. Me too, bro. He eats. <laughs> he, he eats Fat a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he he eats a, like octopus, and his like arms turn into like these huge like like kraken like tentacles, and he like whips everyone around. Yeah. Um, Wait, what's he, this like, hentai you said you watched? He eats, he eats chicken, <laughs> and he like grows like these wings, and like he can fly. Damn. In this book, it describes how the Pueblo skinwalkers would get animal body parts and do pretty much the exact same thing. Like consume it? Can consume or use the animal body part and make that uh, like a part of their own body. So like just that part that they ate? Or like if they ate a part of that animal, any part of the animal. To the effect of, like I said, he doesn't go into much detail. He just kind of paraphrases things he learns about the book for uh, these tribes. Huh. Yeah. And I I had never heard, I've never heard of that before. Mm -mm. Um, The Pueblo skinwalkers could also turn into fireballs. Sometimes they're small, like orbs of light, but sometimes they're legit like spheres, like of flame travel around. The Pueblo skinwalkers would meet often and talking to the Zuni natives, some of the people would say, oh, there's one place that we all avoid that is known to be a meeting place for these skinwalkers. They're called witch rocks. And there's a picture of witch rocks. Um, Witch rocks, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Some hoodoos, bro. So it's like isolated rock formations. Uh, they'd usually meet in places like this or caves. I need to read you this, uh, this quote from him paraphrasing. Chris says, Which society meetings are thought to be held in the dead of night in a cave at some distance from the Pueblo? So the Pueblo uh, was the previous picture. The little house is made of like clay and stuff. Yeah, you've seen that like in new mexico oh yeah you know, dude th- they got some that in arizona too dope bro that's an airbnb right there <laughs> it really is uh yeah some distance from the pueblo the witches arise slip outside quietly and change themselves into animals coyotes toads dogs crows hawks and other birds to travel to the meeting in the cave one tale relates the plight of a wife who left her human eyes in a cup in the house and used owl eyes so that's an example of like the animal body parts um used owl eyes but when she returned in the early morning the human eyes had been found by her husband and dunked in urine which made them forever unusable (laughs) (laughs) i'd be pissed pissing up i know (laughs) (laughs) stupid <laughs> oh, funny. He's like, You're in for this one. 
Uh, <laughs> ammonia. <laughs> Dude, that's wild. Yeah. Um, I rock around with that horse dick. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I would change. Yeah. <laughs> you got to eat the horse dick first. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they also talked about another meeting place called Shemuta, oh. which was a black mesa. Oh. KS. Uh, like the mesa, like the plateaus. Yeah. But like a black one. But a black one. <laughs> <laughs> the black mesa, Shemuta. Um, he said it's like five miles northeast of this Pueblo that he was, um, staying in doing research, um. He he said, from what he's learned, coyotes and crows are usually favorite animals to transform into, at least for the Pueblo skinwalkers. And flying to Shemuta, they would all congregate at the bottom of it. And when the signal was given, the cliff would open up and show a lighted cavern which they would enter and it would close and conceal them. Speak friend and enter, bro. Exactly, <laughs> where they would turn into their human form and have their meetings throughout the night. What were and they meeting about? Not like, sure. yo, the Johnsons, we got to <laughs> f*** them up, yeah. bro. Like, <laughs> Finding their next victim? Dude, yeah. Very <laughs> possible. We uh, got some uh, news to just, you know, bullet points here. Like, we have to go over the, the minutes, guys. Yeah, <laughs> record the minutes. Make sure you record your miles getting here. Yeah. <laughs> Punch in your time card. Yeah. It sounded like the sun had an effect on their powers. Mm. So before sunrise, they would rush to change into their animal forms, get back home, still in the dark of night before light hit. Is it because, like... If they were caught in that form during the day, they would be stuck that way, or like they would be killed, or puff of smoke. <laughs> yeah, are we talking like turned to stone? Shit, who knows? Couldn't tell you, but that's on the pueblo, bro. Can I side note real quick? Go ahead. You know how you know those like Instagram like interesting facts. <laughs> I've had like three come up lately that talk about the relationship crows have with wolves. Oh, they work together. Yeah, dude, they're like, super smart and. Like, uh, they said, like, given the option, a crow will, like, dine with a wolf rather than alone. Bro, this... And they work together. So, like, a, a, a wolf will kill something and the crow will, like, partake as well. Mm-hmm. Or the crow might go out and, like, the wolf would follow. Scout. Yeah. And they'll circle, like, a potential, you know, place to feed. Or they will see an animal that's weakened and the, the, the wolf will see and travel out to them. And, so crazy. Yeah. But just, like, coyotes and crows. Yeah. I don't know. Bro, life really is D&D, man. I know. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we're moving on to the Dine, with, um, Native Americans, which are the uh, Navajo and Apache. What Sorry, is, I don't, I, if I'm butchering these words, which I probably am. Can you Google Dine Navajo? Because I'm pretty sure it has a dope meaning. I, I think it means like the people or something. I got royalty, got loyalty inside my Dine. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. To eat any meal. <laughs> nice, dude. That <laughs> is dying, <a> bro. <laughs> dude, that's dope meaning, though. They just about their food. <laughs> yeah. The word Dina is from their own language. It means the people. Hey. Oh, look at you. E. Scholar. 
Okay, when I was on my mission, I had a companion, Filipino, one of my favorite people, good, funny kid. But when we were in the same companionship, it was the first time that I, would, I had ever heard of the black church. You ever heard of that? Southern Baptist? <laughs> there might be different names for it, but he's talking to me. He says, his name's Earl. He goes, you know how we have prophets, the Pope, apostles, all these leaders? Uh-huh. And there's priesthoods and powers. Well, the Bible teaches, the scriptures teach that there's opposition in all things. So you believe that? I was like, scriptures say it, so yeah. He says, just as Jesus put his church on the earth, the devil has also put his church on the earth. And it's called the black church. Within the black church, there are black prophets, black pope, black apostles. And this was the first time I had ever heard about that. And I, I, I've heard a couple other people bring that up after that, um, but it's not very common. I talked about my friend meeting a foot soldier for Satan, mm-hmm. and he talked about a very specific structure, structure that Lucifer has set up on the earth mm-hmm. to like carry out his church. No. The Dine natives have a very similar belief in this black church, and... They believe in something called Black Mass, just like regular Catholic Mass. But it's where the skinwalkers come together and they sing songs of discord. Bro, this is a Black Sabbath song. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Songs of discord? Well, uh, the War Pigs is the first thing that comes to mind. Huh. One of my favorite songs. Can we listen to it for a second? Sure. <laughs> I don't know anything about Black Sabbath, to be honest. Dude, Ozzy Osbourne bit the head off a bat, but War Pigs... I was just singing the Black Parade the whole time. Dude, this is one of my favorite songs. It's so badass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you press like forward like four or five times? The switch up. Okay, turn it up a tiny bit on the... You can go. <laughs> Generals gathered in, in their, their masses. masses. At black masses, mm. evil minds that plot destruction, sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields, the bodies burning as the war machine keeps turning. But mm. witches at black masses, yeah, crazy, huh? Very similar. Huh? That's dope. Um, the the Dine natives said that the skinwalkers would sing perverted songs oh. to, instead of heal, curse. Bro. Which is, made me think of Leah in our skinwalkers episode. Yes. Like how they would learn all these different songs that could do different things. The medicine men would have to learn all these songs. Mm-hmm. And they were like sacred, secret they wouldn't just teach it to anybody. They weren't written. They're were all oral. You had to learn it from somebody specific and they had to choose. Yes, I'm going to teach this person or I'm not going to teach this person the song. She was saying like her grandpa, her grandfather knew like 12 songs, which is like unheard of now. And medicine men now know like one or two. Yeah. So they're, they're losing them. Yeah. Wild. Which is scary. 
yeah, it was fun to read this and uh, kind of correlate it with what we've heard in the past. Dude, I've often equated, I've always said, you sing church hymns to invite the spirit. And I've said scary stories, I kind of feel like do the opposite. And I don't know, I've always used that simile or that like metaphor, but it's crazy that there might be more to it. Like there's black songs that are yeah. sung. Yeah, I, and I think Leah put it well when she talks about it all goes down to like the intent of it too. Mm-hmm. Like if you give it power. Have you guys ever got into like Lord of the Rings history? You're talking about like uh, Silmarillion? The, Silmar- the Silmarillion. Silmarillion, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Which no. is like uh, the, the deep doctrine of Lord of the Rings, but go ahead. It's like yeah. the Genesis. So, well, in the beginning, the god of Lord of the Rings like world, his name is Eru Iluvatar, and he creates all these like demigods, and they create the universe by singing. And Morgoth... <laughs> <laughs> Morgoth. Look at your nerd ass right now. <laughs> who is, who was like Sauron's master. Oh, yeah, yeah. Starts singing Discord. Like, Eru Luvatar's trying to create the universe and he starts singing like the wrong chords, like on purpose to so mess like things old up. Old Tongan ladies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, so the god stops a song and keeps going and he keeps messing around, like messing with the songs. And when they finish the songs, the god says, all the. Like, all the discord that you tried to sow, I'm going to make it into my plans. So you think that you're trying to mess me up, but I'm going to... Like, incorporate it? Yeah, incorporate it into my plan. Dude, that's uh, beautiful. J.R.R. Tolkien was on some other shit, yeah. <laughs> That's Dope. deep. I think he tried DMT. Dude, have you ever tried DMT? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Black Mass, songs of discord. Perverted songs of discord to curse people. So basically, um, uh, who I smoke... Oh, yeah, shit. exactly, <laughs> bro. Native Americans been on that, Song, or these skinwalkers. Songs at least. of Discord. Yeah. Speaking of, shout out our Discord. Yeah. <laughs> that thing needs work. <laughs> Trust me, we're working on it. Um, more powers. It's said that the Dine skinwalkers could steal the skin of a person if you lock eyes with them. Oh shit! They'll absorb themselves into your body. Bro, like changing consciousness, like switching. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so not just shape-shifting into animals, but also other people. We go down to Arizona, catch me like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. not look at anybody. A taller guy comes up to Charles, looks out. And, uh, <laughs> I'm Asian, my, my eyes are half closed already. Yeah, yeah you're <laughs> winning, bro. Yeah. Um, John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's said that the DNA skinwalkers uh, avoid light. Their eyes glow in human form. Bitch, why you live in Arizona? Yeah. <laughs> no, no tree or cloud cover. Yeah. It's just sunlight all the time. Um, in what human was the form, last thing? Sorry. In human form, uh, their eyes glow. But in animal form, it, it's normal. It, it doesn't have a glow. But that was a, a little note that he had as well. Hmm. Um, another excerpt from this little article that he wrote. He says the four, he elaborates how witchcraft isn't an appropriate term because witchcraft is a very like European construct, I guess. Yeah. He changes the definition to ways. So instead of like. Ways of the skinwalker. Yeah. Instead of of like the witchcraft witchcraft of the skinwalker. Yeah. So he says the four basic ways of Navajo witchcraft are. Witchery, <laughs> sorcery, wizardry, and frenzy. Bro, this sounds like yeah, Harry not Potter, European bro. at all. 
and frenzy. None of the four are actually witchcraft in the European sense of the word. They are simply additional parts of the vast spirituality of the Navajo people. Witchcraft is not separate from Navajo spirituality. It is simply another set of ways within the Navajo religion. The Navajo believe that people must live in harmony with Mother Earth, that there are two classes of beings, Earth people who are mortals and the holy people who are unseen spiritual beings. Huh. The living in harmony with Mother Nature makes sense. And then like breaking that harmony to give you power. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. It's crazy because that's not that's not like exclusive to Native American or them. It's like literally the mm-hmm. the stuff I was talking about with like the blood oath stuff last mm-hmm. week. Like that's the same type of shit where it's like breaking the laws of Mother Nature and then like harnessing that power. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So the two type of people, mortals and uh, holy people who are unseen spiritual beings, they believe these beings have the ability to either help or harm mortals. The Navajo believe that illness and life problems are disorder within one's life that can be remedied with herbs, prayer, songs, medicine men, and ceremonies. However, while medicine men learn the Navajo ways to heal and aid those who are afflicted, there are others who practice Navajo witchcraft and seek to direct spiritual forces to cause harm or misfortune to others. Crazy. Yeah. That's the Dine Native Americans. There's more, and I haven't quite read the entirety of it. So I will be sharing the rest after I read, which will probably be next week's episode. Dude, what? An amazing resource. Fun what little, a gold mine. A fun little dive into like subgroups of oh, something that we've covered multiple times. You find out it's not just skinwalkers. Yeah. yeah. But like These skinny boys. That's freaking wild. I yeah. love that. I yeah. love that. I don't know. Something about that source feels credible and I fully accept it all. <laughs> As yeah, fact. He, he talks about, he was like, <laughs> I realized that, you know, when I wrote this book, I was just like a, Young white boy wearing a cowboy hat traveling to these different, you know, Native American nations. And it's just that one white boy's take huh. on all of this. Hmm. But I like that. He's staying honest. Yeah, he's, he's self-aware humble, about who he was, but made it clear that this is the information that I've seen and been told by these people. So It's crazy just like, the principles that we see throughout so many different like situations. I don't know why I'm always obsessed with that. Like the connection of sacrifice, the connection of like discordant songs, like all these little things. It's just, it's interesting. I really love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Thanks, so, dude. I'm Chris excited. O'Brien. Yeah. There's more coming on that. Sick. Is that you? That's me. Ayo. All right. So that's me. A couple episodes ago, I talked about the the tunnels under MTC and that one guy Keith. Wait, shut up! Oh, another oh, no, one. Continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so Keith sent that in. He he was just like, it's not really a story. I just I've always been really interested in the tunnels under the MTC. I went down there when I was in the MTC. He sent in those pictures. Mm-hmm. Shout out Keith. Keith is awesome. He found us. He went on Spotify one day and just typed in scary stories, and we popped up. And he's like, I started listening to you. Didn't even realize we were LDS. He's LDS. He's cool. Uh, he's full Cambodian. <laughs> or Kamai is how they refer to themselves. So, dude, he sent in a story. And I'm going to share it tonight. Sick. Yeah. Uh, Keith's parents 
grew up in Cambodia, and they lived through the Khmer Rogue genocide. So they escaped Cambodia in the 80s. They were refugees, and they came to America. This is the whole same time as, like, all the sleep stuff, too, right? Which is crazy that I got this story. Because uh, if you remember, if you've been listening, I shared a story previously that talked a lot about how the Hmong came over. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> the Hmong came over during Hmong? this same time. They were kind of screwed by, like, the American troops because they just, like, left them to die. And their sleep demons they were kind of yeah. screwed by. So they all move over to America, and then, like, hundreds of Hmong dudes and like one Hmong lady die in their sleep after having like sleep or night terrors. So crazy. Hmm. But yeah, same exact era, <laughs> similar region. So his parents move over. Uh, they raise Keith and his family, non-traditional Cambodian. They raise them American. So he didn't really, he wasn't really super connected to like Cambodian tradition or way of life. He was <laughs> raised straight up American, like in Texas, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. So the American dream. Ayo. So he gets... Not that other dream. Or <laughs> so he gets... Uh, yeah, he grows up, gets a call on his mission to Cambodia. And he's the first one in his family to go back since they left. Hmm. So it's just kind of a cool background, cool little uh, details. Um, he goes off to the MTC. He breaks the rules, goes on the tunnels, takes some photos. Nice. And he finally gets to Cambodia to start his LDS mission and we've talked about missions before, the nature of them. If you're unfamiliar, it's uh, in the Mormon or Latter-day Saint church. It's customary for 19-year-old males and 20-year-old females, whatever it is now, I don't know, uh, to go out where they serve a Mormon mission. So they go out and their main goal is just to help others in any way they can. And if those people are interested in learning about our beliefs, then we teach them. Otherwise, you're doing like service type projects and things like that. Very intense you you the it's so hard to describe to someone who's not familiar with it but the frame of mind you have is life death eternity like you literally think you're dealing with people's eternal salvation so it's very impactful and very like you're fully into it anyway he lands in cambodia his trainer will call him elder l elder l is from america and he's full blood mong and he thinks it's just awesome like another Asian American who had very ex similar experiences to him growing up, just like living as an Asian American. So they click right away and they both have a pretty heavy interest in the paranormal. So very quickly at night when they're done with all their work and it's like you get your 15 minutes to like be yourself, <laughs> they share stories and they talk about creepy things that have happened, creepy things they've heard, legends, things like that. And Elder L says, Elder, there's something going on right now, like in our district. It's a pretty crazy story. And Elder L tells him what's been going on in their area. So this area is called Siem Reap. It's the same area where the famous Angkor Wat Temple is located in Cambodia. Super beautiful. In this area, there's not a whole lot of missionaries. And so the people who are there, the missionaries who are there, they're very close. There's probably like one or two elder companionships and then a sister companionship. And Elder L tells him the story of what's been going on. And it's about these two sisters. One of the sisters is named, we'll call Sister K. So K and her companion, they're both natives to Cambodia. They've lived there their whole life. They're serving their mission there. One morning while they're studying, they're sitting at the same table, like facing each other, right? 
and they're reading their scriptures, they're writing in their journal, not super paying attention. And Sister Kay has her water bottle on the table. And her water bottle has like a spout just like this that you can flip up. Mm-hmm. And she keeps it up. And as she's reading, she mindlessly <laughs> grabs her water bottle, takes a sip. She continues to read, makes notes like in her scriptures about what she's studying, reaches over and grabs her water bottle and pulls it to her mouth and goes to grab the straw with like her lips and it's not there. So she looks down and the, the straw is completely closed. She thinks that's weird. Doesn't really pay a whole lot of attention, just clicks it open, takes a drink, sets it down, continues to study. She goes to take a drink. Her straw, her cap is like down. And so now she's like, what the heck? What's going on? Like she looks up at her, her companion. She's like, is she playing a trick on me and just like tapping it down when I'm not paying attention? Uh, or is it just like click going down by itself? So she flips it out, sets it down on the table, and she just stares at it. And as she's staring at it, the cap goes and closes. And she thinks, okay, that's weird. It was pretty fast, but hopefully that's just gravity. And as she's thinking like this. A loose, <laughs> like, a, like a loose straw or something. Yeah, she's or? not sure. And it's like you watch it, but you don't necessarily comprehend right away. And she's watching it as she's staring at it and thinking, okay, it's just gravity. The cap goes <laughs> and sticks straight up. So now it's a little harder to justify or it's not rationalize gravity, away. And she's locked, staring at this cap. And the cap goes, t, 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 t. and four times in a row, clicks down, clicks up, clicks down, clicks up. Hmm. Now the mood is different. It's not casual. She's uneasy, to say the least. Sister, watch this with me. She gets her companion to look, and they both are staring at the cap, and she's like, why, what's going on? Shh, watch. And as they're staring at this cap, or this uh, water bottle in the middle of the table, sure enough, click, click, click. The cap clicks down, clicks open, clicks down, clicks up. <laughs> it's like when your muscle twitches, and you're like still, and you look at, you look at it, and you watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the more you think about it, it stops. But <laughs> in this case, it did it. Yeah. Weird experience. It doesn't phase them. They're not afraid. There's nothing really to be afraid about, I feel like. It's just abnormal. It's just a weird thing. Yeah. So they go about their business, keep doing missionary things. When they start to notice things around the apartment, little things at first, they'll walk into a room, their book was open, their scriptures to a specific page. It's now closed. They'll go into another room. I thought I left the light on and it's off. Another room, okay, I swear I closed that cabinet. That's so weird. Did you leave it open? No, not me. Just little things. Never happened while they were in the room, but they, they take note of it. They take mental note of it enough to where they come home at night and they're like, okay, what's different? And they walk around their apartment and they're like, this wasn't open. This pamphlet wasn't here. This light wasn't on. And this chair, I swear, I pushed it all the way into the table. But once again... They're not really afraid. They're just kind of like taking note of it. They're aware of it. First of all, that's like Sean's nightmare. Things being different than how they left them. If you move one thing an inch in Sean's room, he will will come out of his room and be like, who touched my stuff? (laughs) He just knows. (laughs) So this kind of continues. They're not really super afraid. And Sister K goes to sleep one night and she has a dream. 
And she said she's standing there in a crowd. She looks through the crowd and she sees a woman dressed in all white walking in slow motion. And right as she notices the woman in white, the woman in white turns to face her and starts slowly moving towards her through the crowd. The crowd parts and like fades away. It's only her and the woman in white. And the woman is coming slowly closer and closer to her. She's not afraid. She doesn't feel fear. And she says, it's okay. We don't have any problems with you. We're just here to do our work. We won't bother you. And the woman comes right up to her and stops. Turns and walks away. And she wakes up. No fear the whole time. She thought, this dream just stood out to her. She woke up and like had every detail in her mind. Hmm. Didn't feel fear and kind of felt a little closure, I guess. A couple of nights later, Sister Kay wakes up and she's so thirsty. Oh, no. She doesn't want to wake up her companion, so she gets up out of bed, leaves the room, and as she's walking down the hallway to the kitchen to get some water, she freezes. Because she has an overwhelming feeling that she's being watched. So she stops in the dark hallway and turns. And at the end of the hallway, the same woman in white is standing there silently. She thinks immediately, am I asleep? Am I awake? Like, what the heck? You know, probably pinches her arm. She's fully awake. And as she's thinking that, the woman in white silently starts moving closer to her. And this time, it's moving closer to her, and it's not stopping. She's frozen with fear or whatever. She doesn't run. And as the woman in white gets to her, she closes her eyes and feels the woman in white pass through her. Ew, gross. She said it felt like I could feel her on my left side, my right side, under me and above me, and through me. She passed through me. And when it was done, she opened her eyes. And it was as if nothing had happened. There's nothing in the hall, nothing with her. She didn't feel scared. She was just like mind blown. That's that Holy Ghost, bro. (laughs) (laughs) That spurt. So that's what Elder L shares with Keith. He's like, dude, this just happened like a week ago in the sister's apartment. He's like, the sisters who live over there? And he's like, yeah, the ones who live like across town. It happened to them. He's like, that's so crazy. So Keith is in, he's in the mission now. He's here. They're having meetings with these missionaries and every meeting they're talking about what's going on at the sister's house. That's dope. And Keith is like, dude, missions are fun. Like, this is cool. (laughs) (laughs) And he, yeah, he's like, this is what district meetings are like. This is really fun. (laughs) Just not fun for the sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like they're, like I said, they're not really nervous. They're not really scared. They're just like, this is, Mm. this is kind of happening. It's a new transfer. Sister K stays, but she gets a new companion named Sister P. Sister P is from Puerto Rico. Sister K is native Cambodian. Mm-hmm. So Sister K is like, no, this is chill. Like, this is fine. I'm used to this. It doesn't feel threatening. But Sister P moves into the house, and she's like, <laughs> no. hold up. I, I cut up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no me gusta, you know? <laughs> but, like, understandably, bro, if things like that were happening with me, I would be mad unsettled. And so they're meeting. It's kind of like, oh, Sister P, how is it? You know, and she's like, uh, it's really weird. Like, what the heck? 
And over the next couple weeks, things start to escalate. So in the house, like I said before, nothing would happen while they're in the room. Except for the water bottle thing. Except for the water bottle thing. And it was, everything was really subtle. But now when they're coming home, they go to their studying desk and it's as if someone swiped everything off their desk. Uh. Books aren't just closed or open. They're like thrown across the room. Chairs aren't just pulled out. They're in other rooms. So like a chair from downstairs will be up in their bedroom. Hmm. And it's escalating. So this spirit is like pissed off now? The, which is weird because after the woman like went through her, the, it kind of felt like everything died off. But huh. now it's escalating. Yeah. So like you're the one that ghosted me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you back in mad? <laughs> um, they'll be laying in their bed at night and they'll hear cupboards slam. Or they'll be studying in the morning and they'll hear their microwave close, buttons pressed, and then it just turns on for like 12 minutes. Okay, first gravity, off, dude. Did you have a microwave in your mission? No, nah, dude, that was... That's a nice mission, it sounds like, bro. <laughs> we had a rice cooker, bro. <laughs> DJ was out here, like, fighting animals. Yeah. <laughs> bro, my uh, water heater was uh, boiling water. <laughs> Heating water manually. Well, these weren't broke asses. They had microwaves. <laughs> bro, I had a full-on house and car. <laughs> but I also had... Australians. So. <laughs> um, while they're in rooms, lights are starting to flicker. They're turning on and off. At this point, are any of you scared? The, the, the mood has shifted. Elder, or sorry, Sister K, she's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's nothing. But Sister P is like, I'm not yeah. with this smoke. Like, I want That's the Puerto Rican one? Yeah. I have she's a like, theory about this, though. So, like, this happened to me, but... Once my companion got there, who was hella superstitious. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Keep, keep this thought. Oh, okay, oh. go ahead, go ahead. Because it goes into this. Uh, they'll be in a room, and they'll hear the sink turn on, and it, it will not turn off unless they go in that room and turn it off. At night, they can hear their tables shifting, the, the chairs, like, scraping across the floor, and it's really seriously starting to affect their sleep. Because they're, like, they're kind of, they're freaked out, and Sister P is mad freaked out. So they, they tell Elder L... Because he's like the zone leader. And they're like, dude, we're, we don't like this. Like, it's, it's getting, it's escalating, it's getting weirder. And he thinks, you know what, this happened before and it kind of died off. Let's just see if it, ha- if it <laughs> dies off again. <laughs> and they're like, we're going to die off. No, <laughs> no but um, yeah, so he kind of just says, okay, let's, let's just see how this week goes. Hopefully it dies down like last time, right? One day, Elder L and Keith, they're out doing their work. And their cell phone, mm, mm. Elder L picks it up. Hello? Are you okay? What's going on? We'll be right there. And he says, we need to go. And Keith is like, where are we going? And he's like, the sister's house. Sister's called super frantic. They had been out all day working and they wanted to come home for lunch. And they ride their bikes up to their like apartment and they can see one of the apartment doors is wide open. And they're like, that's weird. And as they get closer, it's theirs. Their apartment door is wide open. So they frantically go up to the doorway, and they're standing in the doorway. And in Sister Kay's words, she said, It is as if, in our apartment, if it could be opened, it was. Every door, every room, every cabinet, every drawer, 
every closet, the microwave, etc. Everything was open. It didn't matter if it was locked or not. Everything was open. On the bright side, though, nothing was stolen, but it also suggested that whatever had gotten into our apartment wasn't interested in material things. It was very unsettling. So the girls are freaked out because either way, okay, this entity is like mad escalating or Mm -hmm. someone legit broke into their apartment. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. They weren't robbed, Mm -hmm. but they're still really unsettled. So Elder L is like, okay, we got to go bless the house. And a blessing is basically a prayer asking Heavenly Father to like cast out whatever it is, cleanse it, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. basically Mormon saging. So they go and cleanse. They're, they go and they decide to give a blessing. And dude, reading the story, I just vibe with how Keith puts it. Because like he's a young buck. This is his first area. And he's just like so excited <laughs> to like battle the, the principalities of evil. <laughs> so his, his companion's like, bro, we got to go, you know, fight this ghost in this house. He's, like, he's just no like, more hell fam. yeah, let's go. So I I like his words, so I'm going to be reading a lot of his words because they just were funny to me. He goes, was it necessary for the whole district to go? No. (laughs) (laughs) But I wasn't going to miss out on what I imagined was going to be a showdown with a ghost. (laughs) And being like a small district, like I said before, they were all really close. So they call the whole district and they're like, yo, we're meeting at the house and we're giving a blessing. (laughs) And he goes, okay. He's like, this is dope. The whole district, we're going to go battle evil together. Let's do this. (laughs) So they get to the house. They all get there. The sisters point out where everything is, what's been happening. They show them everything. And they start the blessing. He goes, I was so pumped. Elder L started the prayer, and I couldn't keep my eyes closed. (laughs) He's He's like like looking around the the room. Yeah. So he's bro, look- I do that too, bro. <laughs> he's looking around the room and he's like, I was straight up waiting for like a dark figure to walk in, things to start shaking as like the blessing got, you know, more powerful. <laughs> he was waiting for tables and chairs to be thrown and he's just so stoked. I was massively disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> he said, they said the prayer, they said amen and nothing happened. They're like, uh, okay. Are we good? Good luck, sisters. <laughs> and they left. Nothing did happen. Things stopped. Things got really quiet. In this area, they teach an English class. It's like one of their only ways they can meet locals. They offer free English lessons. Mm-hmm. So the elders show up, teach lessons. The sisters show up and teach lessons. The sisters are instructed to leave early just so they can be inside because it's for a safety issue. Mm. Um, but they wanted to stay late this one this one lesson. So the elders agreed that they would escort them home just to make sure everything was safe. He said, massively inconvenient because they lived on the opposite side of town. <laughs> so they go, they drop the sisters off at their apartment, and then they book as fast as they can back to their apartment so they can get there before they turn into pumpkins. <laughs> um, So they get home. They have like no time at all to do anything. They try to do their planning. They try to get ready for bed. And they're like trying to get into bed before 1030, right? Get all their clothes off, jump into bed. And they're just so exhausted. They lay down and they close their eyes. And mm, mm, both of them open their eyes. And he said, we both knew who it was. We don't know how, but we both knew. Elder L answers the phone. And he can hear on the other side of the phone how scared and frantic Sister K or Sister P is. She's freaking out. 
things had gotten way more violent. They said, thing, like, before things were just swept off the table, she said, while we're lying in bed, it sounded as if, like, the, the kitchen table and chairs were, like, being thrown across the room. And she said, it, we don't feel comfortable here. We're not sleeping here. We're leaving. And they were like, damn, like, we thought it worked, you know? So they bring in the big guns, and they call mission president. <laughs> and they explain to mission president what's going on, and mission president says, all right, Take them to this guest house. I'd imagine it maybe it's like a members a member's house or something. Yeah. Take them to this guest house. Lock it up. Let's figure it out later. They get there. It's 11 o'clock at night in Cambodia. They don't want a bike, so they grab a tuk-tuk. You guys know what that is? Yeah, dude. It's like a little tricycle uh, taxi type thing. Yeah. He's like, we totally got screwed on the price. The guy like... <laughs> Knew he could take advantage dude, of us. Yeah, once you get <laughs> they late, that, they start doing time, that. Yeah. They charge like triple, <laughs> dude. Yeah. And they get in this tuk-tuk. They go across town, and they pull up to the apartment, and the, both of the sisters are standing out front in their pajamas, holding their blankets and pillows as if they had run out. And the landlord is standing next to them, and they couldn't be more happy to get out of there. So they jump in the tuk-tuk. They go to the safe house, and they spend the rest of the night. While this is going on... Hold up. Yeah, Kevin's here. Kevin! Can you open the door quick? Kevin! Maybe it's like Kevin's ghost, dude. That light wasn't on. No, it wasn't. I saw it turn on. <gasps> saw it turn off, bro. <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, oh, what's up? Uh, I'm Kevin. You gonna sit in? What's up, G? Dude, look at our setup. <laughs> okay. So we can look at ourselves the whole time. <laughs> did you play uh, BYU football? Me? Yeah. yeah that's why I'm rocking <laughs> You're that quarterback. <laughs> I'm working in Provo right now. I had to blend. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna sit in? I mean, I was going to put laundry in real quick. No worries. Do your thing. Oh. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. 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 Are you in the middle of the story? You guys just I'm in the middle of the story. Come in while we're sharing the story after. Yeah. Just come in. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So while they're doing this, while this is going on, they convince the sisters to move back in. Everything kind of dies down again. And they're like, okay, fine. An Area 70 is visiting their mission. And if so we talked about earlier, like, you know, there's prophets, apostles. An Area 70 is like a level nine cleric <laughs> in the Mormon church. <laughs> it's like a wizard, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, dude, that guy can, like, fight the devil. Do you know what I mean? Maybe not win, but. You <laughs> <laughs> can definitely tussle. Yeah. Uh, so they're excited. One, they're excited to meet him just because it's kind of like a rock star type situation. But two, they're like, we need to ask this dude for help because, like, this is weird. So they meet him. They're all nervous. They have these jitters. They're like, can this guy see all my sins? Does he know I think bad thoughts at night? <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, why aren't they moving? Because it's like, that's a good question. We'll get to it. Yeah. That's what our mission president did. So they're like, dude, they're all looking around and they keep looking at each other like, bro, you ask. They're like, no, you ask. And and so he's like, all right, nice to meet you, elders. I'm going to take off before I go. Is there anything I can do for you? And they're like, uh, thank you. Uh, can you help us with this uh, apartment? <laughs> and he just quickly says it. 
And the Area 70 super calmly goes, what's going on? And they explain what's going on. And he goes, take me to the apartment. And Keith is like, oh, shit. <laughs> Damn, we're about to see some freaking some battle. Some Balrog Gandalf type <laughs> shit. <laughs> and so they're like, he's like, oh, yeah. So they get in the car, they go over there. <laughs> oh, finally, as he was about to leave, he said the typical, if there's anything I c- you guys need, let me know. Elder L kind of blurted out what was going on. And to our relief, the elder said he would come check it out. I was so freaking excited. <laughs> we were going to have, I our, love this attitude, yeah. dude. It's so dope. I know. He's like, we were going to have our rematch and we were bringing the big guns. <laughs> <laughs> I was massively disappointed. <laughs> he said, they get to the house. The elder seven, and he kind of looks around, gives a blessing, walks out and leaves. <laughs> He's like, that's it. But the activity stops. They're like, huh? Dope. Another transfer comes. Sister K leaves and Sister Puerto Rico stays. And this time, Sister Puerto Rico's training. So in comes a new sister to the situation. And by this time, Sister P is like a hardened, like, veteran. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, things are sliding across the room. She's like, yeah, 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 whatever. But her new sister is like, bro, what's happening? Like, super <laughs> incensed. Um, they also get new elders. And like I said, things start up again. So they report it to mission president yet again. And he's like, all right, enough's enough. Get the sisters out of that house. Take them back to the safe house. And elders, I want you to go stay the night, investigate, and report back. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, elder L and Keith are so stoked. (laughs) Um, He goes, the day or two leading up to it, Elder L and I could not stop talking about it. <laughs> uh, we were going to do a full-on paranormal investigation. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, so when they get there, we inspected the house, and we set up a ton of tests that I could come up with to try to test out this thing. And this is the scariest part to me. It's not going to be scary to you guys, but maybe you'll understand why. So Elder or Keith goes into the study room where like all that stuff kind of originated. Mm -hmm. He sets down a blank piece of paper and a pencil. And he says out loud, if you're here, do something with this paper and pencil and says it to the room. Why am I so freaked out? You guys probably know invitations, dude. I do not think they're a good idea. You're inviting something to happen. You're opening yourself up. It is good for paranormal research, though. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) And so they set the paper down. They set the pencil down right in the middle of the paper. They leave the room. They take a ton of photos to try to, like, catch orbs or, like, mists. (laughs) And uh, they get ready. They check everything is closed, all the cabinets, all the whatever. Night comes. They are terrified. It's three elders. Because another elder is like, dude, I got to get in on this. And they're all lying around. They're so like nervous and scared. They don't really want to mention it or bring it up. And they're waiting. And it's pitch black. And it's dark. And nothing happens. (laughs) The sun comes up and they're still just waiting. And they're like, dude, we got to go to bed because work. You know, we got to work tomorrow. So they go to bed. They wake up. They check the house. Nothing's moved. Nothing has happened. The paper and pencil are sitting there and it's a blank piece of paper. And they're like, 
Sick. <laughs> so they lock up and they leave. Chalk it up to some dramatic sisters. Yeah, they're you like know? the sisters being sisters. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they just don't want to work, you know. <laughs> That's actually heavily father punishing them man, <laughs> for their lack of effort in their face. Spicy food. Um. All right, so they're like, all right, call mission president. Tell them they call mission president. Like, dude, nothing happened. And he was like, doesn't matter. I already sold that spot and we're getting them into a new house. Bro, that like was you said. fast. He sold the spot. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Well, I'm, I don't know how like ironclad the agreements are in Canada. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're like, cool. By that time, the sisters had like taken their stuff out and it was just like the furniture was left. That's all that's left. So two days later, they send in two missionaries, Elder G and someone else to empty out the, the little bits of furniture that was still in the apartment. As Elder L and Keith are doing their work, they get a call. <laughs> and it's Elder G. And Elder G says, hey, uh, you said you put a piece of paper on the study table, right? And he goes, yep. And a pencil? Yes. And when you left, nothing was on it, right? And he goes, nope. And he goes, dude, I need to send you a photo. And he's like, why? What's going on? And he goes, well, the paper is crumbled and it's covered in writing and the pencil is broken. And he's like, okay, send the photo. Please tell me he has this photo. Please tell me he sent this photo. He didn't. Damn it. But I asked for it and I haven't heard his reply. But he's like, dude, we had like Samsung 2 phones. So it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was pretty it's much like an etch a sketch. Yeah. yeah. Um, the piece of paper will have large pendulous <laughs> breaths. <Yes. laughs> so this is what he said. Oh, the paper, he described it. It wasn't crumpled like a ball. He said it looked like someone had grabbed the paper and squeezed like this. Hmm. He said it was covered in scribbles, but nothing legible. Some points or parts of the scribbles were so hard they ripped through the paper. And then other parts were so soft you could barely see like a trail. He said some of it was clearly written with the tip of the pencil, and then some of it was written with like the side as if you were shading. And it was just covered. He said that's not what really freaked him out. What was weird was the pencil. The lead was still mostly in one long piece, only broken off about a half inch up the length of the pencil. There were little bits of lead and wood and paper on the desk. Some of the bits were so small, they were more like powder. If someone had broken the pencil, they didn't just break it. It's like they had something personal against it. Frankly, it was as if the pencil had blown up from the inside itself. He described it as if, you know, the cartoons and they like, they stick the dynamite in a gun and the and gun like blows, blows back. Yeah. He said it looked like that. Hmm. Oh. And what's weird is the lead is still intact and the wood is like splintered and shattered around it. That's hard to do. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> he said only Elder G knew about the pencil and paper test mm -hmm. and only the sisters had a key to the apartment. And he's, he's like straight up, he's like, either Elder G did it, which I, I knew him for a very long time. I do not think he did it. He denied it, you know, to the day, to this day, or something else did it. He said, all of this happened in my first two transfers. Elder L joked that at this rate, I was going to have 
paranormal encounters my whole mission, which super freaked me out. <laughs> Fortunately slash unfortunately, I did not. Before this, I had always had an interest in paranormal, but I didn't believe in it with any particularly strong conviction. I was just following the logic that if there was God and angels, there must be devil and demons. I never did anything to investigate it. Personally, I believe in being passive when looking into the paranormal. If it happens and it finds you, cool, but I do not go looking for it. As you guys have discussed before, I believe that the more you play into the supernatural, the more power you give it, especially the more if you fear it. That's why I pointed out who was Kamai and who was American. This is kind of going to Sean's point earlier. Over the course of our experience, we had pretty diverse group involved. Three native Cambodian women, Cambodian and Hmong from America, a girl from Puerto Rico, and three other white dudes from Utah and Oklahoma. Of course, we'll never know for sure, but it seemed like what happened in the apartment changed according to who was there. And I think our different cultural backgrounds definitely had an effect. It's no surprise to me that the companionship of two native sisters had the most elaborate experiences. Other than the women in white, we never really identified any specific entity, good or bad. Forgot about that. I don't think any of us ever felt super hostile intent or feared for our safety, but we were definitely anxious. Since we were missionaries, I don't want to think that whatever it was, was bad. Um, since we ended up abandoning abandoning the apartment, I guess that means that we let it win. Uh, but on the other hand, maybe we were dealing with a series of different entities because for each blessing, things did stop pretty much immediately and then kind of started up again. Mm -hmm. Maybe doors weren't the only way into the apartment. In a place like Cambodia, with the history it has, who knows what is possible and what strange things happen. I heard other stuff from missionaries while I was serving, but nothing as extensive as what happened there. I guess these kind of stories never really get definitive answers, and I have so many questions. While I'm not interested in being involved in something like this again, I'm kind of glad I got to go, or I got to be a part of it. At least I got a story out of it. Very Keith, true. Keith. Shout out. Yo, Keith, thank you so much. That was fun. <laughs> I like fun, the attitude, bro. Fun and disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Even though there was like crazy things that happened, it was just, I was so, like, I, I just liked his attitude towards it. Just lean in. He's like, I thought I was about to see the devil and nothing. <laughs> Taking it head on, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Super interesting, though. I really enjoyed that story. It was fun. Mm -hmm. That was a good story. I think it's funny, too, his theory, because I agree. Just like, yeah, I think the, diff the the levels of believing it and superstition that different people might have mm -hmm. definitely can affect stuff like that, in my yeah. opinion. Because, Sean, you had a companion who was mad afraid and saw tons of shit, and Sean was like, yeah, I don't believe in any of that. <laughs> I mean, like, the longer we were together, some of it started to seep over to me, and I was like... It's got to be the environment because nothing happened before you got here. <laughs> so it has to be you. Yeah. That was my theory. I could be wrong, but that doesn't happen very often. So, hmm. But <laughs> shout out Keith. Shout out everyone involved. Fun story. We appreciate it. And that's me tonight. Bless. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. I'm here to close us out tonight. Let's do this. I do have a pretty decent one for y'all. I've been talking to this person on Reddit and got permission to share their story today. Yes. Okay. And We're all about consent. Oh, yeah, dude. Yes means yes and no means no. Good job. For now. For now. 
So it's user wolf underscore dream. And uh, she didn't give me her name, so we'll call her Lily. Um, A little bit of background about her. She's fairly open to the paranormal, but hadn't really experienced a whole lot in, you know, the paranormal vein. She mentions that she had never wanted to really get married. And she ended up meeting this guy who kind of had the same thought. He'd never really wanted to get married. So they dated for a very long time and decide to get married. Yo, let's actually get married. Mine as well. The way that they wanted to get married was just kind of symbolic to like show their devotion to each other. And she mentions her family was like very Catholic, wanted the whole church and like go down the aisle and all of that. So immediately they're at odds with the family. And she mentions just like through this whole process of getting married, they just experienced little bits of bad luck. Mm. Like for example, they would start experiencing some some types of poltergeist activity like around the house. And that all culminating in something that was super creepy for them where they came home one day and found a clown's red nose like in the middle of their bathroom sink. (laughs) (laughs) And can confirm neither of them have a clown mask or nose. So that was super freaky to them. No, hold up. That is more that is so alarming <laughs> and upsetting. There's a scene in the old It with Tim Curry that cr- takes place in the bathroom that wrecked my life. Oh yeah, dude. And contributed to my like phobia of showering. So like when I put the shampoo in my hair and I washed that shit out, it was like <laughs> as fast as I could just so I can yeah, catch protect yourself Pennywise yeah. coming up on me so nothing happened with the red nose still however terrifying that is mm. to have that happen to you Frick. Um, and she was mentioning this to like a friend and said like they were experiencing these types of bad luck all over the place and she even went as far as to say to this friend my fiance is out getting a tux fitting right now something terrible is probably going to happen right now mm. and little do they know as he's like getting a fitting just outside the building, there's massive pile up accident. And he like calls and like tells her about it. And she's like, proof, this is all just random weird stuff happening. Or an, another hiccup, I guess, in this whole process is she refused to have her dad walk her down the aisle. And she didn't want to go into a whole lot of detail there. But because of that, she ends up um, inviting her littlest brother to do that with her and he wholeheartedly accepted however about a month or so before the wedding date her brother passes away and allegedly a an apparent accidental suicide so i don't know what that looks like she didn't provide details on that but that's kind of how it looked so her and her fiance lived down in new orleans at the time they drive all the way up to west virginia where the brother's viewing is going to be that's terrible she says she goes into this viewing and it's a for close family members only type situation. And she gets this feeling that she knew her brother was not going to cross over easily, knowing that she was counting on him for this, like this huge thing in her life. And as she like goes to the viewing, she goes up, she like puts her hand on his leg and like she says she, she forgives him knowing that this is an accident and wants to like, give him that forgiveness to maybe move on, you know? But if he wants to make amends, and she's saying this out loud to him, if he wants to make amends, he can come to the wedding and bring other family members and close friends that have passed on as well. Hmm. That's kind of cool. 
Yeah, no. And it, it seemed like a, a really like cool thing to do. She even had, and years ago in the past, her other, one of her other brothers had passed away, but she had this bouquet at the, at the wedding with both of their pictures on it. And nobody walked her down the aisle and that's how it appeared to everyone that was there. But she said she felt like he was there with her. That's sweet. Now, the reason she even brings this up is she said maybe her background in the situation or like her background in general is what led to what happened next. So her and her now husband, Eli, are going to on their honeymoon. And their honeymoon is in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And I feel like I've mentioned it before, but have, do you guys know like anything about Gatlinburg? I do not. Okay, so not. it's like a almost like a super touristy town in the Great Smoky Mountains. And it's pretty dope. I've been there. Me and my family went out there once. And there's just tons of hiking, beautiful mountains. And it's just like a tourist town. Like if you can imagine Park City without the skiing in like the Smoky Mountains. Something like that. So they get this beautiful cabin on Bluff Mountain. And they've got it for a honeymoon week. And actually, Kalima, could you pick pull up the pictures? Because oh, I believe this is the... Whether this is the actual cabin they're in or the group of cabins, from what she, sh- she described, this is what it looked like. And then along with that... So for those listening, super... Does the hill... Is the hill important at all? Yeah. Okay, it's on the side of a hill, and it's one of those where it's like a two-story cabin. Think pretty standard cabin. And the bottom floor is like half submerged in the hill, but then like the back of it is... Just like out. held up by like these posts and beams. Yeah, it's on a hill. So one side is one story, but then the back side is two stories. Yeah, exactly. So when she gets there, though, she'd brought a symbolic offering of just flowers to present to the mountain for having them. Just kind of like a symbolic offering. And she arranged them out in a box that was on the railing here. And they head out for the day on just to go on some tours and see the local sites and stuff like that. And when they get back... The box is smashed, and the flowers are missing. Like, they, they don't immediately think anything's wrong. They think maybe it was local wildlife, like a bear or something, like a little black bear or something like that. And then she thinks it's strange that the flowers aren't there, smashed with the box. And then she's looking around. She's like, maybe the wind blew them away. But then she notices, like, the leaves that were apparently there before are all still in the same like place, like there wasn't a whole lot of wind apparently. Hmm. So it's a little weird to her that they're just gone. Now the next day, she's walking down the driveway just to go and like get some honeysuckle and stuff like that, which have you guys ever had honeysuckle? Dude, that was like half of my summer food. Bro, same. I'd swim in the pool. Onion and grass like and honeysuckle, bro. Down 70 <laughs> honeysuckles. <laughs> so she's going to get some honeysuckle and as she's like 20 yards away, probably down the driveway, she takes a double, like a double take and looks over into these bushes and sees her flowers. And it looks as if they've been piled up and then smashed as flat as a crepe. But there's no footprints. It's just smashed, like almost if you had taken like a rock and just squashed them. Freaked out, she leaves. She, she says she wandered away back to the house, wondering if the mountain just hadn't liked her offering Mm. and then internally laughing at herself for even thinking about that. (laughs) Night one, she says that as they go to sleep that night, in the middle of the night, her husband Eli wakes up to banging 
on the support beams under the floor. So if you remember the cabin, like it was supported by those beams all the way around. And he woke up to the sound of banging on those beams. So he said that the banging was so loud and so violent that even the mirror inside on the cabin would shake with each bang. So like the mirror that's just like mounted on their door. He said every time he tried to fall asleep, there would be another giant bang on one of these posts. Now, he said he wasn't going to wake her at all because he wanted to see if it was going to wake her, like the banging, and if she was going to also hear it, just to make sure he's not crazy. Mm. Now, it still wasn't waking her up. And Eli said that the loudest bang came shortly before she ends up waking up, but this time, the loudest bang sounded almost like someone had taken like a thick book and dropped it from 20 feet in the middle of the room. So this bang was no longer coming from the outside on the posts, but on the inside in the middle of the room. Now, she still hadn't woken up. At this point, though, when he hears this bang, he's frantically like, I got to wake her up, make sure I'm not going through this on my own, that I'm not crazy. As he's thinking this, trying to go and wake her up, this metallic buzzing sound starts coming from back behind the TV that's to the side of their bed. And this is what finally wakes her up. Now, she mentioned that she was in this super deep sleep, like almost just this deep black sleep that was super deep, but not, it was restless. Like she wasn't getting good sleep. She would wake up tired, Mm -hmm. but nothing was waking her up. And she said this was weird too, because normally she's a super light sleeper. So I can relate, and I'm thinking, trying to put myself in the situation, if it were me, I would have woken up the first bang. <laughs> but if I hadn't woken up, I would have definitely been in the super deep sleep something. This is what she's going through right now. Now, she wakes up to this metallic buzzing coming from behind the TV, and instantly is like, what the hell is that noise? And as she's about ready to get up to, in her words, go over and smash whatever that noise was coming from, it stops. And at this point, Eli's trying to tell her, like, what's going on? And she says as she woke up from this super deep sleep, she was still groggy. And she just wasn't coming to, like, quickly. And so as she's realizing this sound has gone away, and here's Eli almost, like, distantly trying to tell her what's going on, she drifts back off to sleep. But, once again, she said she woke up in the morning feeling unrested. The next day, she says she's putting on her makeup in the very mirror that was shaking the day before, Eli's telling her what happened. And as he's telling her, they're trying to like logically go through what could have, what it could have been. They're thinking it could have been a bear outdoor banging on the, on the post, dropping books, dropping books. They couldn't figure out that. And then they're like, wait, what about that metallic buzzing? And as they think, or like bring it up, the metallic buzzing comes right back behind the TV, like almost on cue. So they go over to the TV and look behind it, and they notice that it's a landline phone with one of those, like, bell ringers. So it's, like, super old antique phone. And they're like, I have to answer it. That's what she said. I have to answer it. So she picks it up, and at first, it's just silence for a few seconds. And then it starts giving these short bursts of static, just shh. So she hangs up pretty abruptly, 
and then they unplug the phone. They're like, maybe it's management, but they have our cell phone numbers, so they'll call us that way. Mm. They'll contact us that way. Then later that night, after a long day just out exploring the trails, exploring the town, they're chilling in this hot tub outside their cabin. And could you bring up the hot tub real quick? So it's mostly enclosed. So you have like the the wall of the cabin here and then this almost fence-like enclosure around it and then the open section where we're looking in, right? Mm-hmm. So she's sitting in the hot tub facing the enclosed section with the woods behind it. Why would you do that? <laughs> so like sitting right here looking that way? Yeah. I don't know, dude. Some people... Like sleeping with your head towards the door. (laughs) Who be be doing that? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so she's sitting in this hot tub facing the enclosed area. To each their own. To each their own. And she's admiring this deep blue LED light on the other side of this um, enclosed area. So she can kind of see the glow behind this fenced area. And it's out of the ordinary because all of the other lights in the house or the cabin are like orangish lights. And she's talking to Eli and they're both like, it's kind of cool. They went with like this ambiance here outside by the, by the hot tub just to make it cooler. Mm-hmm. As they're thinking that, they're like, okay, we can go ahead and head back inside. And as they're about ready to head inside, almost as if it's intentionally, the blue light goes out. And then it flicks back on. A few seconds later, it goes out, this time permanently. So she decides she's going to hit up management the next day and ask for a new bulb. She heads out the next morning to go and check on the light. And as she goes around the enclosed area, there's nothing there. There's no light fixture or stand or anything. So she decides to call over to management anyways, and they confirm that this, the ground over there is actually super sandy, and because of that, they didn't put anything over there. So there's no light fixture at all. Super creeped out. She's not sure what it is or what's going on. Now, going back to the night before, though, shortly after they go in from, from the hot tub, she's heading over to bed, and is she, the bed is in the cabin facing the bathroom. And inside the bathroom, you can see the little kitchen sink, and then above that is a little window, just without any curtains, but like just a little window above the bathroom sink. And normally, she thought it was super cool because she could see off into the woods. But tonight, as she looked into the bathroom, she got super freaked out, just like she felt like something was watching her from outside that window. But she couldn't see anything outside. There didn't appear to be anything outside. Whereas before... She wanted to keep the bathroom door open so she could see out. She now wanted to keep the door closed, but to do it secretly so that Eli didn't think she was being weird. Hmm. So she like subtly closes the door. No harm, no foul. Now the next morning though, Eli tells her again that there was banging again last night and it wouldn't stop. But when he would get out of bed to like go do something about it, it would stop. And he would sit back down in bed and it would start banging again, almost as if it knew what he was doing. So super freaked out, they head out again that day to go explore the town, explore everything, trails. And then we get to night three. So they get ready for bed and she's about ready to hop in bed. And as she's about ready to head over to her side, 
she remembers, oh, I forgot I got to close this bathroom door because it's really freaking me out. And Eli's already sitting in bed. And as she's about ready to hop in bed, he's like, hey, would you mind uh, closing that bathroom door? And she's like, yeah, why? He's like, I don't know. That window's really creeping me out right now. And this is something they previously hadn't discussed yet. So feeling super validated, she heads over and closes the bathroom door. She said that night, for her, in this super deep black sleep, she had these terrible nightmares. And she doesn't remember what the nightmares were about, but remembers being terrified. Eli, however, had a terrible case of sleep paralysis. Now, he said, and he swears to this day, that it wasn't sleep paralysis because he said he, he remembers waking up and, like, kicking at her. But he told her that when he woke up, he heard this eerie laughter coming from the foot of their bed. And when he looked over, he saw this grudge-looking girl standing at the foot of their bed. She was wearing a white dress and had pale white skin with black eyes and what he described as a horrible mouth and her dark black hair covering half of her face. And he described her as being shrouded in this black fog. Now he swore that he woke up and yanked his feet up to his chest and like started yelling at her to basically GTFO. All the while not waking Lily up. And as he tells whatever this lady in white is to get out, she fades away, giggling as she does. Mm. He went back to sleep, but was woken up several more times that night by whoever this was grabbing at his feet. And he would yank them back up to his chest and like kick at it. And then when he would look, he would catch a glimpse, but as she faded away. Night four. And they're there for a week. <laughs> Lily said that night four was a repeat of night three, but more severe for Eli. He said he was bothered relentlessly by this same lady in white, and that when they woke up, some of their personal items within the cabin were gone, and to this day, they haven't been able to get those back. She said she had her own personal heirloom she had brought from something like a grandmother that was missing. She never found it. Night five, she said, nothing happened outside of just feeling like they were being watched. And this night when they also had gone out and gotten in the hot tub, they could hear from a cabin maybe down the road a large group of people. It sounded like, like a party was going on. But they mostly just tried to stay in that night. Night six and the morning of day seven, the uh, management had actually given them an extra day, and this was this night six and day seven. And she, sa she said it was because of the water being, like, gross at the time. Like, they had not fixed their pipes or something, but they had given them an extra night, and for some reason they accepted that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, go home on day three already. Yeah. <laughs> for real. So now... If someone grabs my feet once sleeping, I'm out. That's my limit. <laughs> That's going to be a no for me, dog. Yeah. Even if it's my wife, I'm like, okay, no, I can't do this. Now, she said that night six in the morning of day seven, things escalated even more and were the most terrifying things that happened to him. And that I will be sharing with our patrons. I knew it. I knew it was coming. Yo, we back. Boys, tonight was fun. I love that. 
as we were sharing, homie hit us with some photos from Ooh. Cambodia. For real? Uh, but none of the apartment. Uh, damn it. <laughs> but he had he just shared some photos of like, this is his, the, these are the elders who were involved. Like that's Elder L. That's uh, Keith right there. <laughs> and these are the area. Nice. So I, I might figure out how we're going to share these. Blur everyone's face. But yeah. That's dope. Uh, I also have an update. What? Real quick. Live update or what? Yeah. So a few weeks ago, I shared the story of the Somerton man. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How he's raising money, needed funding for the exhumation of the body. And that's in the episode. Which episode is that? A few ago. I can't remember. Paper Trails, I think, is the name of the episode. But last week, Wednesday, <gasps> they exhumed the body. What? And there's uh, there's some pictures of it. But um, sounds like it's in the lab. They're doing tests. And... Oh. Dude, that looks pretty new for just being exhumed. I know. That's a pristine-ass thing. There's, like, no smidge of mud. No, it's not dirty. No dust. Conspiracy theory. They, like, ra- I, I was wondering Dude, you if can like- see his reflection off of it. That's how shiny this is. Go back one more. Ooh. Yeah, they started that early Wednesday morning last week. <sighs> So we better find a mystery solved. I'm banking on there being no information. Gosh damn it. <laughs> Why are you banking on that? Just because. Problem straight, Keith, in this in this scenario. Hell yeah, we better find out. Under promise, over deliver. You I know? was yeah. unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't be disappointed. So give you my expectations low. That way if something is relevant, then good. <laughs> but that's an update on the summertime man somebody asked for uh like the gofundme link or whatever i don't even know if they made the made it public to like raise funds well if they just did it too like they finally exhumed the body it may have been too late to donate too yeah yeah so took them like a year to get 20k <sighs> shoot dude but that's the update on the summertime man any other updates no. Mm. Kevin, thank you. Nothing? Nothing. Kevin, thank you for joining in for the last little bit. Kalima, good to have you on board. Shout out. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. Bye, lovey. Be safe. Bye, lovey. Be safe. Be careful out there. <laughs> oh, you ruined <laughs> Bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids.
that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Something is creeping in. Don't follow it. Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. Clueless.